Aloha! This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comic for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing, I'm going to, and Veronica, please forgive me, I'm going to try to pronounce your name correctly, Veronica Argawal. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Agarwal. Ag- Agarwal, I'm sorry. No, you're perfectly fine. Audiences, we've been, I was, before we started this, I was practicing this with them. <laughs> okay. And, um, her partner, Lee Durfe-Lavoie. Durf- yes, perfect. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you, Lee. All right. All right. Now, they are the creators of a new graphic novel for, um, middle, for middle school kids. It, um, it is published by Random House, and the title of the book is called Just Roll With It. Now, the book came out on December 14, 2021, and is out in stores right now. Veronica and Lee, how are you guys doing today? Doing fantastic. Super excited for you to uh, host us. Uh, we love, I mean, I, I love talking about Just Roll With It. It's my favorite hobby. So being invited onto a podcast to talk about it is, is awesome. Thank you. No, uh, no, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Now, I'm just going to go over um, just a little bit about your guys' background. So Veronica, I know your previous works included the following. Um, um, in 2019, um, you came out with Alexis versus Summer Vacation um, that was written by Sarah Jamelia Stevenson. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And that and that book is published from the Center of Responsive Schools um, is um, Incorporated. Mm-hmm. You, um, Veronica, you're also an illustrator of animated models for Vox Media. Um, Contributor in Power and Magic Anthology and Elements Anthology, um, Magical Girl Problems, Magical Girl Solutions. That's a webcomic. Mm-hmm. Um, you love dogs and you have three cats. Yeah. I'm going to ask, I'm just asking off the cuff questions. Um, what are your cats' names? So we have, so our three cats, there are originally Lee's, and then when we got together, moved in together. Um, they became mine also. So we have Captain, Sammy, and Natasha, and they're all named after Marvel characters. All right, so Lee, so like, so Bronk, like you said, Lee, that was your castle. So I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off the cuff here. So how did you come up with those Marvel named characters for your cat? So I just, uh, I love Captain America. Uh, mm-hmm. And so my, fa- my favorite Marvel movie is Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Oh, yes. And I, when I get the cats, that's just what I was thinking about. And so it's Captain after Captain America, mm-hmm. Natasha after Natasha Romanoff, who's the Black Widow, mm-hmm. and then Sammy is is Sam, who's the Falcon. That's so cool. That's pretty cool. Thank you. I was originally, I you know, I was, I'll tell you, uh, trying not to take up too much time, but originally I was oh, going to Natasha after uh, Doctor Doom. But uh, she was a girl, so I named him Natasha. <laughs> and it just, it was a perfect name, so. Well, think about it, Lee. I mean, what, we have, what, maybe about within the next five years, hopefully they'll bring out the Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll be good then, this time. Third time's the charm, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And I'm sorry, Veronica, did I miss anything? No, I don't think so. Or do you want to add anything else? Yeah, I'm trying to think. So all of that was just past work leading up to this. Now, going forward, we have a second book 
or just roll with it. And we have a few more like scripts and pitches that we're working on together. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's a pretty comprehensive yeah. list of like my career up till now. Well, thank you. And then now Lee, correct me if I'm wrong. So, uh, so, and for listeners, I'm sorry, I didn't make it clear that Veronica is, um, um, is the artist on Just Roll With It. And then correct me if I'm wrong too, um, either Lee or Veronica, but also basically you guys basically co-wrote the book together, correct? Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. And then now Lee, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, um, you are a writer and Roll With It is your first published work. Is that correct? correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, do you want to add anything else to, to your, to this? Like, uh, no, I mean, there's not much else to it, uh, right? Uh, just roll with it. It's the debut novel for me. And as Veronica said, it does have a sequel that is in the works now and is getting close to finish. Um, and then there's, yeah, other projects and pitches and stuff that we're editing and, and, and working to get out to people right now. That's pretty cool. Okay. Now, before I begin the interview, you know, I just want to give a big shout out to Hannah Behedry of Superfan Promotions. Hannah, thank you very much, you know, for setting up the interview. I'm going to ask, do you guys want to um, say, add anything to that? I mean, real, I mean, you cannot say thank you enough to Hannah and David from Superfan. Uh, I mean, they were great. And if you've, if the audience has listened to us and anything else, like this interview set up by them, any other interview or podcast that we've been on has been set up by them. Um, you know, they really... They, they met us in stride um, amidst the, diff the difficult time of COVID and yes, mm -hmm. uh, they were great. They were perfect to us. Yeah, it's, it's, it was super, uh, super weird planning, like launch events, mm -hmm. you know, amidst all of this stuff. And, you know, they were really great with helping us set up with bookstores that we could do, you know, virtual events and okay. setting up, you know, ways to promote the book you know, despite the fact that we weren't going to like, especially because conventions are such a huge part of the graphic novel community and we really haven't been having those regularly. Yeah. You know, so, so finding ways around that to interact with like other creators and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been like really on the ball, really like, I'm like trying to think of the word for it, but just like really attentive and like yeah. communicative. That's what I was going for, mm -hmm. you know, back and forth with us figuring out. Um, you know, what we want to do and what we don't want to do. And like, that's been really great. Yeah. They made it really like, like a daunting process. Very easy for us. Yeah. That's really nice. Especially because <laughs> it was our first book together. Like yeah. I had published uh, Alexis for summer vacation, but center for, for responsive schools was a textbook company or is a <laughs> textbook company. So they were not really um, like doing the same kind of publishing promotion that Random House Graphic is doing. Yes. So this was really my first like official foray into like graphic novel publishing because that one was very like they sold it through their own site and not really like putting it in bookstores or anything. Um, so like it's it's very different and they made it like very easy. And I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this in the pre-interview section. Um, I'm going to, do you guys want to give out to, and correct me if I'm wrong, Susan Graham, is that, is she your guys? They are agent, yep. Do you want to give a shout out to her too as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like when we talked a little bit in the pre-interview section where you uh, you mentioned their uh, the sort of twist about the monster uh -huh. and that 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 whole monster outside the school thing. That's all Susan. Like that that was Susan being like, "I love the story, but you know, we're gonna need a way to you know pump it up a little bit. What about this idea?" And we were like, 
I mean, from from literally the the contract to getting into the hands of Penguin Random House to helping us rewrite like the entire thing, mm-hmm. um, from the you know it started as a twelve page mini, and Susan liked it and they shared it around with folks for us. And Susan was has been there literally since day one, helping us uh, make just roll with it into the story that it is. And without them, from like I said, a billion different angles, from actually creating the story to the agent know-how of contract negotiation and, and, mm-hmm. and reading a contract to us line by line for four hours. Um, it, you know, cannot yeah. say enough about Susan. The, the, We've been very lucky. The, the well of love like... that I have for them is... is... <laughs> We've been very lucky in terms of like, we've been working with a lot of people who are willing to explain the process to us as we go. Cause like we we're you know, we are really interested in it. We don't want to just be like, oh, you know, like you do it, you go off and do it and we'll be here yeah. doing whatever, you know? So Hannah and David and Susan all being willing to walk us through the, um, the publicist process and the agenting process and the contracts and everything you know, has been really valuable for us because, like, we get to learn yeah. so much from and, them. And while we're talking about it, Whitney Leopard, uh, from, yeah. who was yeah. our editor on uh, Just Roll With It from Penguin Random House Graphics, is, again, another another uh, person who was just fantastic to us. Um, Gina. Gina, of course. You, mean, was... you can't say enough about Gina either. Like, <laughs> it's I, just, like I guess we it, could talk all yeah. day at length about all the, the like, every name we say has pages and pages of love from us. I think uh, it's interesting how, you know, I think f- before you get into the process, you don't realize like the people making the book, like physically making mm-hmm. or creating the book is few. It's just you and me creating the actual like content, yes. but to bring it to life and to readers, like you don't realize how many people get their hands on it before it goes out. Um, you know, when you're watching a movie, you see how many like, animated movies like board artists mm-hmm. graphic designers like ev- all of that stuff you see the whole there's like whole crew mm-hmm. like books you don't always like i didn't realize that as much until you get into making your own books and you're like yeah. all of these people if no one does it alone kind of thing yeah and i mean you can see you right i obviously read a lot of books growing up and you can see in the back of every prose novel you get a page long of thank yous yes and i always kind of brushed it off i was like yeah whatever they're just being nice. no that those those thank yous are a hundred percent earnest because without all of the people who have touched this book that are so many more than just the two of us it, it wouldn't be possible mm-hmm. so yeah our complete total love to susan whitney gina hannah dave david uh, i mean everybody like it's just it's been a, a friendly process and that which is surprising to me because I had never done anything like this before mm-hmm. and I had always thought it was kind of scary but it wasn't mm-hmm. like the hard world of New York publishing was very kind to me like it was a very nice process that's really good but I'm gonna say thank you very much for taking the time to um you know because I know I do these little shout out sections but thank you very much for you know telling me and the listeners that you know um you know that there's literally these other people behind the scenes like you said that you know susan giving you guys well maybe if we add this in you know or you know um hannah and david to go okay this is how we're going to do this This is how we're going to you know promote the book and so forth so um just you know just thank you for sharing that yeah i think also for me i realized halfway through through sharing it i'm like it's, it was easy to feel like when you're, if you can't do it all yourself, then like you're quote unquote, not good enough. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, it's important to say how many people like, 
like it's not like oh we just wrote it and then we put it out there like yeah. we wrote it and then we went over it several mm -hmm. times we had edits from susan from whitney from everybody like it's not just one person who makes like an amazing story and is like oh i did it okay yeah, i published yeah. it like patrick helped us with the cover yeah and, like, the, graph, the designing and everything nicole was our first publicist before uh she moved on to uh, Simon Schuster, which is a huge loss for us because Nicole also uh, a fantastic person. So Simon Schuster is very lucky that they have her. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's an army of people behind this book. And like Veronica said, like, you know, there's, you're not, you're not doing it alone. And that's like a real relief uh -huh. is that if, well, you know, there are parts of the script that I wasn't sure about or that I was struggling with. Not only did I have Veronica to lean on, I had all these other people that I could go to for help and advice and for figuring stuff out and it, it, it all worked really well. Oh, that's great. That is very great. I'm gonna say again, thank you very much for sharing that little behind the curtain scenes. Yeah, thank you for letting us. Oh yeah. Okay, um, sorry, I'm gonna move on. So where can listeners follow you on social media? Uh, so we both have Twitter. Uh -huh. um, Veronica's Twitter is at a new and new, which is a, which is sort of like the Twitter symbol at, at uh -huh. uh, a n u a n e w, mm -hmm. um, and mine is at uh, Lee Durfee. So okay. L e e d u r f e y, um, and then we both have Instagram, and Veronica's Instagram is mine is at Whispergram. It's the at symbol W i s p a r a m. And then I also have an Instagram. I don't really use it, but if you really <laughs> wanted to follow me there, you could. Mm -hmm. uh, mine is is at uh, the one truly, and the uh, the one is uh, just the letter or the number. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's just the one truly. number truly. I think you're linked in my bio as well. Oh, okay. Um, because I said that you're my writing partner. Yeah, so you can find me on Veronica's Instagram as well. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So um, where did you guys grow up? Uh, so I grew up in uh, Charlestown, Rhode Island, a uh -huh. uh, small town in the smallest uh, state in the country. Uh -huh. And then, uh, you know, 22 years later, I moved to New York. So now I've been here for three years now. Yeah. So, yeah, so... I'm 26 and living in New York with Robert. <laughs> so I, I grew up here in New York. We live uh, outside the city, about 30 minutes outside the city in the suburbs. Um, so, so I grew up here with like, you know, I went to school in the city in Manhattan, uh, college, not like high school or anything. Um, and yeah, so like easy access to the city and everything my whole life. Uh, and then I met Lee through uh, my best friend, Rachel had met him online mm -hmm. and introduced us. And then after, I think, was it four years of, like, back and forth trips? Yeah. Between Rhode Island and New York, we did long distance. Four years of Amtrak travel. Yeah, and then after, after that, we finally, you know, got enough, just everything managed, you know, to fall into place, though, you know, he saved up enough money, we were able to move. So he moved in with my mother and I in <laughs> our house here, uh, and it's been bliss ever since. Yeah, three cats, and it's been perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. So, um, what was or your um, first comics that you that you know you guys read? 
Ooh, first ever comic? Yeah, and it can be a Sunday comic strip or Mad Magazine or... The first ever. Um, or or one that you remember. For a minute, because my mind I know easy. Yeah, yeah, you go first. You're I grew up... Uh, well, I, I used to read Archie's. My mom would take me to the supermarket and she would always get me an Archie comic when I was there. Uh-huh. Um, and then from there, I moved on to... Like, they had these, like, the... I guess monthly, the thinner issues of like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and all those. Oh, okay. Um, and then they had, uh, and then I did, um, moved into like reading manga and stuff. So like yes. Azumanga Bio. Uh, there was one published by Tokyo Pop, Sakura Refugees, which was, I think there, it was not, it, they weren't a Japanese artist. I don't, I don't remember if they were an American artist or not. Um, but that was like my very first manga that I ever read. And then from there I went to Azumanga Bio and Vanilla Alchemist and absolutely everything else. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I read uh, snippets of um, the Bone series because I saw oh. them in my library and I thought they were cool. Yeah. Um, I, you know, this is really silly almost, but the first graphic novel I fully remember reading yeah. was a manga adaptation of Romeo and Juliet so funny. that I had in my library and I read it because I was really into Shakespeare because I was really like pretentious in middle school uh and then I saw that in the library too and I was like oh, I'll read it when and- I was a kid when we were reading Romeo and Juliet and I, I was already into manga and anime at the time and I like that's that's like the style I would draw in my English <laughs> teacher was like did you know there's a manga adaptation of Romeo and Juliet and I was like <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna read this, but thanks. <laughs> because it's I was the opposite. Shakespeare made no sense to me. I could understand it when it was read aloud because that's how it was supposed to be digested. It's a play, but like reading it in book form, I was like, I don't know what they're saying. Um, so I was like, that's nice. I'm not gonna read this, but that was very nice of you to tell me about it. <laughs> that's awesome. No, but Leah, I gotta say that's no, but that's pretty. I'm gonna say that's pretty cool that you know you love Shakespeare at an early age because I'm I'm not I'm not and I'm being sincere. I'm not making fun of you or anything because I mean I you know all of us went through high school. We had to read Shakespeare in some literature class, and it was like I have Veronica. I'm like you have like I have no idea what they're saying. Yeah, you that's what I'm saying. Like it's impressive to me because I we you know that they had that for you in school you read it and i'm like that ne- it didn't strike a nerve with me at all it was like i cannot understand yeah you know i at all. my aunt uh on my dad's side for a birthday of mine i think maybe when i was going to high school actually bought me like this huge tome and 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 for the audience listening i swear it was it was thicker than my head of like the collected plays of shakespeare mm-hmm. and it was I mean, it, I was going into high school. It was as big as I was. Um, and I didn't read all of it because that would be insane. But I did read a lot of it. And there was a point in time in my senior year of high school where I almost got a quote from um, Larrates from uh, Hamlet where he says, I dare damnation uh, to like the, and he says something like, to the, the, the farthest pits of hell or the, the depths of heaven, like I dare damnation because he's going to avenge his father uh, when, he, when he gets back to Denmark. Um, I almost got, I almost got the, the I dare damnation line tattooed my arm. 
Uh, and I, I didn't, but I almost did. I really, <laughs> really, really thought about it uh, as like a gift to myself after graduating, but I just didn't go through with it. That would have been awesome. <laughs> it's a great quote, right? It's so cool. It's mm -hmm. so metal. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on. Now, um, just for our listeners, I'm just going to um, – oh, I'm sorry. Before I continue on um, – do you guys remember what was your guys' first comic shop? Oh, there was not a comic shop near me, um, like a dedicated comic shop near me until, uh, I mean, at least I didn't know about it until I could drive when I was like, 17, 18. Um, and there was one uh, about a town or two over from me that I went to, and I remember going in there and uh, being really amazed uh, because mm -hmm. I said, this is my first comic shop ever. You would go, it was like I said, it was two towns over. So I already drove there. It mm -hmm. was night cause it was after school. Um, I went down a, these like Ricky wooden steps into this basement level store. Uh, and you get, you get the tables of, of other nerds playing Dungeons and Dragons yeah. or mm -hmm. playing like Warhammer or whatever uh -huh. with all the, is that, is, that's not the shop that we went to with Alex in Rhode Island, was it? Not the one that's. Do you mean? Do you mean the? That one I think was an upstairs shop. Anyways. There was there was, I don't know if it was that one because that was, maybe a different one. But anyways, uh, but yeah, I remember being totally blown away and then getting um, some of my first dice there. Nice. It wasn't until I was older that I went to the first comic shop and then, um, and then yeah, I mean I never even spent much time there. I think for me most of my um, role-playing game community stuff was, was really online. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I have uh, eight brothers and sisters. Uh, and online slash built in. Slash built in. Uh, so, <laughs> so my twin and I and uh, one of my younger sisters and younger brothers would play on and off. And so, yeah, uh, built in and online with friends. Veronica, I'm, I'm going to ask you before I move on to the next question. Do you remember your first comic shop? I really, uh, I really Long usually time. went to Borders when it was still around. Yeah. Um, and then the Barnes and Nobles that were in, in my area. That's where I got all of my, my comics and manga usually. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was a dedicated, like, that's the problem. I, I feel like it's so hard to find, like, independent bookstores. Mm -hmm. yeah. especially these days back then we didn't really have any and even now it's harder to find yes um new york city is a little bit better they have a lot more of them mm -hmm. um, but out here it was really just the bigger the bigger bookstores mm -hmm. now lee i'm gonna say you had it, it was a perfect segue when you start talking about dungeons and dragons and the role-playing games online now um did both of you guys did you guys play role-playing games while growing up um, I mean, like not, not, not tabletop role-playing games, really, okay. yeah. but, um, definitely like the RPG style of like Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that, um, which opens you to the wide world of fan fiction and creating your own stories, mm -hmm. um, uh, stuff like that, I mean, you know, April and sisters playing pretend with each other and, and stuff like that is, is, you know, all we did. <laughs> uh, but the, not, not really tabletop, not until high school. Um, 
when it was really introduced to me. Um, but then the bug bit me and bit me hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, we, me and my twin and I, we collected some of the, uh, like the players manuals and stuff. And then we hunted around and saved up and bought some of the books. And, mm-hmm. uh, my, my twin's actually even a bigger, uh, Dungeons and Dragons nerd than I am now. Um, mm-hmm where they're like always up to date on like the new, not, not even the newest edition, but like the newest, like uh, they introduce new sub, like play test, new subclasses and stuff like wizards will put out and my twin will be on it and mm-hmm. she'll be, and she'll be like, Oh, I got it. I saw it already. Or like, it's not good. Don't worry. Don't bother checking it out. <laughs> like, cool, you'll like this. And I'm like, okay. You know, they play like, I mean, my, my, my twin's really crazy. They play like, I think four or five different, different games a week. Uh, which is insane to me, but they'll stay up till like 2 a.m. to do it, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bronco, what about you? I didn't. I didn't play a lot of role-playing games growing up. I played a lot of video games, uh-huh. um, and I played like you know online games. Like I spent a lot of time on like Neopets when I was younger, Guy Online as I got older, like those kinds of websites. So not really like role-playing per se but like the character creation and like that kind of thing mm-hmm. um and then yeah i really only got into role-playing games when the adventure zone was getting popular and like everybody was listening to that my friends were listening to it and you know we would talk about that and uh after i think after the first kind of arc completed uh then we started like oh let's try playing our own games um and so we played we played them for a while it's it, the hardest part was just scheduling and mm, getting yeah. everybody to have the same block yes. of free time um but yeah i've played a, i've played a few games all with like this my same friends uh-huh. but i haven't played in a while now so um my next question i'm going to ask is for both of you how did you know how did your journey um start get started into writing and making comics slash graphic novels how did that get started uh well for me i mean i'm i'm doing now what uh, was literally my dream job as a kid and like when you ask the kid what do you want to be when you grow up i yeah. i said i wanted to be a writer and i did i remember when i was in the first grade um we had a fourth grade teacher whose name is uh uh, Debbie Michelli, who uh, I owe a copy of the book to still, uh, she came and she would look over. Um, she was like the writing, like, like sort of teacher for the school. Uh-huh, yeah. And so she came to the first grade class and she talked about writing and, and creating stories. And I was just obsessed ever since. And so I would write all the time. Um, I would have little memo pads uh, in my pocket in a pen at all times to write. Um, until it became my phone and then I would still do that uh, where I have the notes app full of little story ideas and stuff I remember my dad telling me like a vi- like I would recall to him a vivid dream I had and he would say write it down mm-hmm. yeah. like, okay so I wrote it down it'd become a story and then like like I said a little earlier fan fiction mm-hmm. yes. um, like for me <laughs> I remember uh 13 years old with parents permission starting a fanfiction.net account to write sonic fanfic so funny um and i mean it like i said it literally the writing bug has been with me my entire life and so it has i mean i i I dropped out of college but i went to college for 
creative writing for one semester because it was like I said it was literally like the only thing I've ever really wanted to do yeah mm -hmm. so I'm literally living my dream right now being able to publish this book with with somebody that I love and you know I've so far have had people have had great reactions to it they've they've loved it and so it's the best thing I could ever hope for that is pretty cool what about you Veronica uh for me I've pretty much been drawing since I could hold a pencil um I drew all the way through childhood elementary school middle school high school um and then when it was time to pick what I was going to do for school I remember like not being sure if I could make it as like you know like a fine artist I was thinking more in that kind of field I was like I don't really like drawing realism uh -huh. um, and then I went to, uh, you know, I applied to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan and I, I applied as an illustration major. And then I was like, you know what? They have cartooning. And I'm like, do you think they'll let me draw anime if I go in as a cartooning major? <laughs> because there's kind of this stigma, I think, for a lot of, I don't know if they're how much, how it is anymore. Uh -huh. um, I think some older, you know, older professors or, or older kind of more traditional people are like, oh, you know, Yes. you can't really be drawn that whatever uh -huh. um but like i was like oh you know are they going to tell me to stop drawing this and draw something yeah. more uh -huh. serious um so if i go into cartooning that's already cartoons um and then it was kind of funny i had realized when once i was in the cartooning track i realized how much i had been cartooning my whole life like in middle school i used to make comics i had a whole binder of comics of my friends and i of like us with naruto characters and us in cosplay and like all these things and like i was just constantly making those comics just for me and my friends like not for anybody else not for any stories for like public consumption or anything um when i was growing up you know in middle school and high school i had this really close friend group where we were all really you know we were all artists and we all loved like storytelling anime manga so we were all just constantly like like kind of like feeding off each other and like feeding into each other of all uh -huh. this like creative energy. Uh -huh. um, and, and so like from there, I feel like I was just really constantly like constantly creating and constantly uh -huh. like thinking of stuff um, and not really thinking about it in terms of like a career to make anything, just like uh -huh. having a uh -huh. great time. Uh -huh. um, and then, yeah, and then I went to college and I, and I started cartooning and I realized, like, I really, really loved it. And I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, just incredible, something that I've been doing already that I didn't even realize. Uh -huh. Like, kind of so close that I didn't even think uh -huh. about it as a career kind of thing. I'm gonna say, before we continue on, and this is off the cuff, but it, it it's really nice because, it, um, you know, Lee, that, you know, you want to be a writer literally at a very young age. I mean, I'm gonna say, Okay, for our listeners, I yes, I am old, and I remember being in first grade. But I don't even remember what I wanted to be when I grow up. All I would know what you know. But I mean, but that's great that you had a vision of what you wanted to do, and then Veronica, for you to be cartooning at a young age and still continue and wanting to do that. I mean, it's 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 a it's a perfect match. You guys are a perfect match for each other. Yeah, it's kind of like a ba nice balance. You know, it's it's really nice and again it's like again it goes 
for both of you guys that you guys wanted to do this very early on that that's really great yes and, it's kind of incredible because like when i i remember graduating college and feeling like you know like i just like I, for me i'm like drawing is just my favorite thing in the world and i was uh -huh. like but the storytelling seems so daunting uh -huh. and then uh you know lee being like just loving storytelling uh -huh. um, but you i mean you would have been fine also doing prose it's but we i usually joke that like we each think that we have the harder job because i find like i'm like i find my job with like my job is so easy so fun and then you have all the hard work of like getting the story together like it just seems so daunting and scary to me and then you're like yeah but you have to draw it i'm like yeah, that's the fun part yeah and like in no way like i wouldn't take her job for a billion dollars i, I couldn't do it i wouldn't like, take i mean like i help with your job but having you there to like help me help you with it like uh -huh. i'm like i couldn't do it by myself because it's so i'm like that's so much to be doing what if how do you keep it like it's just a lot but it's really nice. I feel like our partnership works really well in that regard. Definitely. I mean, it's like, it, it, it is really perfect because like, it is, yeah. the, the process between us is, is, is a constant back and forth really uh -huh. um, because like Veronica will constantly be helping me and giving me input and I'll be going to her about like, you know, what do you think about this line or this scene or does mm -hmm. this, you know, whatever the, this, this part make any sense? You see what I'm trying to do here. And then, you know, sometimes the script will be like, yeah, yeah, and then and Veronica will understand what I'm trying to say, yes. and then be able to turn it into excellence. And then, you know, there will be times where Veronica will ask me, like, oh, what about like, you know, this angle or this height? Like, where should like the camera? Where should the uh, uh, the panel like focus in on? And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, that's perfect. Like, that's what we were trying to go for here. And like, and. In, I, I just think we really understand each other on like a deep level where you don't have to talk about so much of it because I mean, like Veronica had a color guide uh, for the first book and it was, it was perfect. It was like, she was reading my mind mm -hmm. and just, and it just, I, I just, you know, like you said, I think we work really well together. Yes. And, and Lee, I'm going to say, I, I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll get to the book in a minute because I, because I just think it's amazing. And like you said, you have to get your parents' permission because you started your own website to write fan fiction, right? The Sonic fan fiction, right? Yeah, That's well, I mean, fanfiction.net, it's like it's its own its own website. And I remember you had to be, you had to get an account on there with parents' permission. And I remember waiting until I was 13 so funny. to get my dad's permission to create the account. That's and so cute. Wrote the worst crap ever, um, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And uh, the online community, you ha now you have like Archive of Our Own, which is unfortunately to fanfiction.net, it's a billion times better. Um, but fanfiction.net will always have that special place in my heart of, uh, of being the first place that I went to to go write stories online. No, but I think, but the, but I think the, 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 the amazing thing, Lee, is that again, it's like you knew what you wanted to do early on. And then for you to literally go out, literally, on the web publicly do this, you know, at, a, at 13 years old. And then, you know, and you, you have to start someplace. And then look how, you know, it's kind of like, it, and it's, and look where you are now, you know, you have, you know, um, you guys published a book together, 
which is great. And then you're already telling, you've already mentioned that you guys are already working on other projects. So that's, you know, like I said, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because, okay, so again, Lee, because like with most, most of us, and I'm sure there's other 13 year olds out there, you know, we still have no idea what we want to do, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah. So, all right, I'm sorry, I'm going to continue on. Okay, so listeners, sorry, now I'm going to move on to, um, to the book, um, Just Roll With It. Now, before I start asking Lee and Veronica questions, I'm going to read um, one of the reviews. It's from Kirkus Review. Now, Just Roll With It, it's an accessible, compassionate story of growth and learning. This is a thoughtful and engaging encounter of a preteen navigating mental illness in a world that leaves her constantly doubting herself. Um, you know, that's, and like I said, that's one of the reviews I saw from the, uh, from the, uh, the, uh, the PR, um, you know, one of, from, you know, from one of the P, uh, PRs that I got um, through the email. So I'm going to ask you guys, how did the story come about? How did you guys come up with the story? Um, so I remember like kind of coming up with, with the idea for it. Um, you know, it was, it was around the time when the adventure zone was really popular. Everybody was really into 2016. I know because it's in my notes. Out. So funny. Um, you know, getting really into D and D and role-playing games. And I was thinking, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, if a character had OCD or just, I think probably it started just, oh, what if a character used a dice to help them make decisions? Mm -hmm. um, and I've been an anxious person my whole life. Um, and, you know, so, and so making stories about mental health has been second nature to me. Um, you know, in, in, in college, I, I made a lot of stories about that. Um, and like always enjoyed having a focus on, on that kind of aspect, I guess, because it's what I know well, I'm not even sure, you know, what draws me to that kind of story. Um, and at the time I was like, oh, but you know, I don't know anything about OCD. So I was like, I don't, I don't, I can't write this story, like whatever. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward a couple of months, I remember talking to my therapist about, you know, like things that I would do specifically. Um, I've told this story before a friend of mine in, in middle school, high school, you know, she told me, oh, when you don't have, you know, when you think of something bad and you knock on wood, so it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, you don't have wood. She's like, oh, you can knock on your head. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. like, sure, I believe you. Um, and then I was talking to my therapist about it and th that kind of stuck with me. And then I was like, oh, you know, like when you have a bad thought and you knock on your head, but you have to knock on it really hard. So it hurts. So the bad thought goes away. And if you're listening to music, you have to stop listening to music. So you're not enjoying yourself anymore. And she was like, what? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, when you knock on your head and she's like, no, no, you don't do that uh -huh. so she was like that's a very compulsive that she's like that sounds like a compulsive behavior uh -huh. and i'm like it's what uh -huh. um and then you know through through some research of really reading about ocd and learning what it actually is like for people who experience it um besides you know there's a lot of um i guess you can say stereotypes about like oh people wanting to be clean and people accounting things yeah. um but the reason that people want to be clean and count things is it comes from these obsessive thoughts and the compulsion to clean and count is well, like, Oh, this is keeping me safe from this thought kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and I had never really realized that 
that's how it worked. Mm -hmm. um, and I had never really realized that it could present in so many different ways until I talked to my therapist about it and I had done some research and I was like, that's what kind of spurred us to write this book is that we were like, we want to highlight what people don't really know or may not realize OCD can yeah. do, um, especially for kids who may not even like, you know, I feel like I'm going on a tangent, but part of it's like, okay. <laughs> part of the, um, the, the thing that we really want to cover is like, you don't have to address your mental health to fix yourself mm -hmm. um, or to make it, make yourself quote unquote normal or to make it go away. Um, it's really more about doing the self-reflection of, you know, the way I'm living now, am I doing all the things I want to do or is my anxiety holding me back? Mm -hmm. Um, and so again, through further talks with my therapist, I was like, oh, you know, I don't really like travel because, you know, traveling makes me anxious. And it's, a, I feel like it's a lot more work for me than other people, mm -hmm. um, who may not have the same anxieties about travel. You know, they can just pack their things and they can you know, go on a trip. You know, for me, it's a long process of, okay, I'm going to spend this much time worrying about the plane. I'm going to spend this much time worrying about if I packed all my stuff, I'm going to yeah. spend you know, it's going to take a lot more out of me. So I was like, you know, so I just don't really travel that much. Mm -hmm. um, and she was like, well, do you want to? And I'm like, you know, I do like going places, but it's just a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, if you work through your mental health and you take those steps, she's like, you can make it so it's not like that much work. And you can, you know, that's what you should be trying to do is you should be trying to not live your life around your anxiety, mm -hmm. but really yeah. try to find a way to, um, you know, live with it in a way that's not limiting for you. And I think that's what I, what we really wanted to do with this book was show that like, this is a way like you can be anxious and you can have these obsessive thoughts and compulsive and compulsions to help with them. But then where do you draw the line of, okay, this is okay, but this is no longer helping me. And uh -huh. this is actually creating more of a problem in my life. Uh -huh. um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I, I don't have OCD, but I, I do have uh, depression. I do have like a generalized anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, you know, mental health has, has always been um, a struggle for me in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, like depression and anxiety specifically have been, um, you know, there were points where were really difficult, especially when I was younger in middle school and in high school. And, I didn't really know what any of that was. Yeah. Like I, I read a book in health class and somebody took Prozac for depression, but it, it, it didn't mean anything to me. I didn't get it um, until I was older and able to talk to a therapist. Um, but, you know, I mean, kids deal with, with these issues all the time yes. and they don't necessarily have a name for it. They don't know what it is. They don't know if they're the only ones who've ever felt this way. Uh -huh. And, for us to be able to write a book that says, no, you're not the only one who's ever felt this way. This feeling can have a name. And even if you don't feel exactly the way Maggie feels, you know, that the anxiety could be similar, right? Or like the, the, the depression could be similar and you can point to it and say, this is how I feel. This is, this is sort of, you know, this is a way for you to understand me uh -huh. and, and for, you know, to a parent or a guardian or whatever. And for us to understand each other better and, to, you know, free up some of the, the, the brain space that, you know, mental illness takes off, takes from you. And, mm -hmm. 
I mean, in fact, we already got a review on 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 Amazon about that, where someone uh, someone's thirteen year old gave them the book and said, you know, this will help you understand me better. And so, I mean, it's it's already done what it's supposed to do, and to to be able to reach to to a younger generation, um, give them a book that I would have liked when I was a kid, and to have it already help someone has been really really the best thing in the world, the best thing I could have ever asked for. Um, Veronica and Lee, first off, I just want to say thank you very much for being open and honest. Thank you very much. Um, second, Lee, that's really, that's amazing that you guys got a very good review where the reviewer says, my 13 year old gave me the book and says, you know, you know, the, the, it's not exactly what Maggie's going through, but you know, I'm going yeah. through something. You know, this. You know, that's. Um, I, I, Lee, I know you mentioned, you know, how you felt about, but I'm, I'm going to ask a question again. But so, when you guys saw that, when you guys first saw that, you know, you, you know, um, um, how did you guys feel? You know, I, I uh, know it's immediate tears. It is immediate <laughs> tears, Jason. It is. I'm Waterwork City for stuff like this. And uh, like, I, might, I, I joke with my mom, she's a big crier. Um, and I, I joke about her because one time I remember she cried on the last day, my youngest brother who's nine now and he was turning three, she cried the last day he was two because it was the last day he was ever gonna be two. Um, which, and I totally have that gene. I. <laughs> Mm -hmm. We'll cry at the drop of a hat at a nice thing mm -hmm. at an emotional moment. Um, and totally, I mean, every nice review we've ever gotten um, from Amazon or uh, um, Goodreads or in, a, mm -hmm. in an article or whatever, um, I cry. Uh, and then I send it to my family, mm -hmm. uh, Veronica's side and my side, and then they cry. Um, <laughs> and they tell us, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, it is awesome. Cause like, that's the point of the book. And I mean, I, like I said, I have eight brothers and sisters and some of them, you know, I'm 26 now or about to be. And, uh, my youngest brother is nine mm -hmm. and we have all the age ranges in between. And so, you know, really this book is, is, is for me as a kid is for them and it's for all the kids their age that I'll never meet. Um, and to the book, the book's been out, um, little over a month now and to have somebody already say you know it's done what we've been aiming for this book to do since 2016 um has really been um mind-boggling it's been it's been uh really just the best experience and the most emotional experience in the world uh you know because you feel so much pride and so much almost relief that like the, for someone out there, maybe there's just a little less tension in their lives. And that's just really, I've said it, you know, I've already said it a bunch in this interview, but it's the best thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I couldn't ask for anything better. Veronica, do you want to add anything to that? I think Lee just about covered it. Really the only difference is that I feel like I'm not nearly as much of an emotional person um, as Lee is. I'm very emotional in other ways. Uh, but in regards to this, it really doesn't, like, it doesn't 
get me like I don't you know I don't cry or anything and it doesn't get me like really feeling like severely um and I guess the only reason why I say that is because I spent a lot of time feeling bad about that uh, but also it's also fine and I'm like for anybody you know who's listening to be like if they're experiencing something where they're like you know it's thinking that they should be feeling more physically than they are like it's okay to just be like for me it's not so much of like a swell of emotion as I'm really experiencing just like a kind of very steady like line of contentment where mm -hmm. I'm just very happy with where I'm at and with everything as opposed to feeling very strongly you know of course obviously I'm grateful and everything but yes um, but it's it's kind of nice I feel like again we're we're pretty much perfect foils of each other where we yeah. gets really really emotional about that stuff and um, I'm really excitable in every other aspect of our life. So, <laughs> so for whatever reason, I'm not super emotional when it comes to this stuff uh, openly, but I like will jump around the house and sing and be a goblin at all times. So he, I guess like I stole all the energy for 95% of the time and then the other 5% of the time you, you have it all. I think that's probably true. I'm just going to say this again. So you guys are the perfect match, the perfect balance. Thank you so much, Jason. Um, oh, but I'm going to say, but overall, it sounds like you guys are very um, happy um, and grateful to at least have that one review really touch you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, even so, like, I, I feel like if, like, if, if everything about the book stopped right now like even if we never sold another copy if no one else ever picked it up knowing that like we have not even just that one like there, i think there are maybe two or three like that where you know parents have said like my kid read this and it really resonated with them like that's enough i don't need to sell any more books i don't need to you know of course i want to make more books but like i don't need it like to be you know on the bestseller or whatever i'm like that's exactly what I want to accomplish and that's perfect yeah, okay. yeah that's really true I mean we get you know um, uh, a fan letter from somebody who's older now who's our age and, and said that it, it touched them we get um, some of our aunts and our family members uh, to say like you know they they understand you know they have anxiety too and like they uh, you know they understand what Maggie's going through and they you know, it's a good reminder, a good refresher to them to, you know, mm -hmm. take it, you know, day by day and you don't have to, and that just, like Veronica said, if, if, if nobody ever picked it up and we never sold another book, to, to know we've already reached people is, is, that's perfect. That's all, that's all there is. Wow. Again, thank you. That, thank you very much. I'm sorry, I'm going to move on. Lee, I know this is your first published work. How did you feel going through the whole process, you know, like Veronica having this idea and just trying to, you know, just creating, just creating the story that you guys have now? Um, I mean, so a little, a little more backstory, I guess, is um, we made the mini for FlameCon, which is a comics convention in New York City. Okay. Um, I believe it's billed as the world's largest queer comics convention, in fact. Okay. Uh, and Veronica and I had been had been bouncing stories off off of each other for a few years at that point. Um, you know, I, I 
she would she would doodle something and I would be inspired and I'd write a story about it. Um, and we were like, it'd be really cool if we could have something that we would, would have both our names on it. Mm-hmm. And so put, put that in the back shelf. Veronica has the idea about it. Um, and we're like, yeah. And like we said, we both have our respective mental illnesses and it was like the perfect story for us to do. And so wrote to 12 pages, which at the time was the longest thing I'd ever written. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, yeah, Penguin liked it and we got it. And then, and then they were like, yeah, uh, we'd like 250 pages. And I'm like, Oh God, how the heck am I ever going to do 250 pages? What the hell? Um, and so really it was just, you know, you kind of take the story down to the brass tacks and like, what has to be there? What are we going for emotionally? What do we want the end result to be? Um, a real, for me, an in-depth dive onto who the characters are mm-hmm. because I really enjoy stories where characters have lives outside of the main character's point of view because people have lives outside of your point of view. When, you know, when we end this call, Jason, you will continue to live and we will continue to live even if we don't see each other anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so I want characters that live on the page and off the page. Um, and so you take the story down to the emotional beats that Maggie has to go through and the emotional beats that some of the other characters in her life will be going through at the same time mm-hmm. and how they mend and how they don't meld together. Um, and just keep on trucking, just keep writing every day and, and making sure you get something and then I was left with an 11 page outline and then we cut it down a four page outline. And I, I had all this, this, this story, th- these ideas plotted out pretty neatly at that point. And then writing the script was just um, sitting myself down and saying, do work. You know, you have point A to B, you just have to get from point A to point B. Um, and that part of the, beginning the early stage process um when actually writing the script uh and one of the reasons we did the mini was because i had mostly just written prose um fiction and stuff like that at that point when you're writing a graphic novel script it's a completely different format where you don't have to spend three paragraphs talking about someone's living room Uh because you can just draw it in one panel and then you see in the living room and so taking stuff taking it down um from that and, and leaving that harder work up to Veronica. Um, you know, a lot of it was me relying on Veronica and her expertise at that point um, and Susan's and Whitney's uh, and figuring out, you know, what the, what the script needed to look like, how long it needed to be. Um, and it was very daunting at times. It was very scary. Uh, where I'm like halfway through the book and I'm like, oh God, I don't know if I'll ever finish. Oh my God, I don't know if any of this makes any sense whatsoever. If this is just a slog through mud. Um, but just for me, I just had to keep at it. I was just like, okay, you know, I know that I have to do this every day. I write two pages a day. Yeah. And if I don't, if I don't for whatever reason, fine. I write four pages the next day. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, I have to write six the next day. Uh, and, and just, just keeping myself, um, accountable and, and, and working steady. And, um, I found for me, uh, a schedule worked really well. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write at 11 o'clock every day. Um, was like when activated my brain was like, okay, 11 o'clock time to write. Um, 
and then it became 320 pages long and we were like is it okay if it goes way over the page limit and penguin was like don't worry about it as long as you tell the story you want to tell we're, we're cool with it uh-huh. um, which was amazing because i had no idea how the heck i was going to trim it if i had to keep it at 250 yeah um, and then just roll with it too is about as long uh and yeah i mean it was a daunting process but like we've already talked about i had a huge support network um in and outside of veronica Mm -hmm. and it was just you know the hard part you had to buckle down and do it um which (laughs) is the hard part for a reason uh, but yeah, you know, I, I knew who the characters were by and large. Um, and there was just a lot of kind of putting them together and seeing what would happen. Lee, I'm going to say that's a very good segue and listeners don't worry. I have a question for Veronica coming up shortly. Um, so actually for Lee and Veronica, so for our, for our listeners, can you guys tell us who our character is? Yeah. Uh, so our character, our main character is Maggie Sankar, who is 11 and a half years old. She is starting middle school. Um, and things are kind of scary for her because not only does she have to go through the daunting process of middle school, she has two overachieving older siblings that she has to live up to. Um, she has OCD and she does not know that yet, but she does know that she has to roll her D20, um, which is almost like like a magic eight ball but it doesn't have words it just has numbers and it's a game she plays with her family and so she rolled the d20 and if she get a high enough score for what she imagines is is good enough then she can either do something or she can't do something she gets pizza or she gets lasagna she goes left she goes right she can talk to clara in the beginning of the class or she can't typically um like where that comes from if people haven't played role-playing games is is it's typical is that like 20 which is on a 20-sided dice 20 is the highest um that's like the best you can get so whatever action you're trying to perform you're performing it super well and one is the worst you can get so whatever action you're trying to do you just absolutely goof it and you know depending on how you're playing you know that can either be disastrous or hilarious whichever way that you know the the person who's doing the game wants to spin it for you um so so that's that's where that comes from with the with the numbers it's like if she gets a 20 then she knows she gets to go with what she wants Mm -hmm. if she doesn't then the dice are telling her no you can't pick the one you want you have to go with the other option i'm sorry before i continue i just wanted to ask you know um the role-playing dice did you guys designated certain numbers to it already or was it like since you guys been you since you guys been playing the these role-playing games you kind of know what the values were already or um not not specifically a certain number gets gets what um i think because like you said i've already had this familiarity with uh d20 gaming systems you know you get 10 is the middle number so 10 you know is is that's yes yeah is okay and so if you go above 10 you're starting to look pretty good um and if you go a little lower than 10, things are starting to look a little rough for Maggie. Um, I think it also comes down to, like, it works the best in, like, when you have one of two options. Yeah. And, you know, if you get above 10, you pick the option you want. If you get below 10, you pick the option you don't want. Um, and then as Maggie starts to experience in the book, when it's not so crystal clear between two things, 
like depending on this arbitrary number to help her figure out is not really going to cut it when she's trying to answer a question that's less uh oh do i have pizza or do i have lasagna it's more you know am i allowed to do this will something bad happen if this happens and you get a excuse me you get a murky number like 11 yeah like, okay is that something yeah. bad will happen something bad will maybe happen you know and then it becomes this lack of clarity is kind of how she realizes that she can't yeah. depend on the dice anymore yeah and and that's that's really the the gist of it is that she has to contend with that this coping mechanism that she had been using is not working for her anymore mm-hmm. and that she can't keep relying on it to yes to to save her and so she has to push through that and she has a support network and one of her older and she has a support network in her family who are very well meaning one of them specifically is her older sister excuse me Eli who yes. uh, is a kindergarten teacher who has a, a minor in psych and so Eli noticed like okay you know you're starting to starting to worry about Maggie here mom um which Maggie overhears and that freaks her out because she's not super ready for that conversation at that point um but you know she has her good friend Clara who's her best friend um she has all the the kids in the role-playing group um who are also some of her best friends who are fun and boisterous and loud and goofy and (laughs) dorky and they have intersecting personalities and differences and opinions um and some that Laurel by the way from the RPG club is probably my favorite character to write because she got to be the most like boisterous middle school yes. type that I was that that uh, some middle school kids are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's a lot of fun to write, and and all of them have their own little quirks and issues, and they all get to help Maggie and be helped by Maggie. Um, and yeah, like I said, that those are the characters that that are really the main the focus of the book, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. <coughs> So I'm going to, this is a question I'm going to ask is like, and, and you guys already seen it already, but I'm going to ask how much um, do both of you see yourself in Maggie? You know, is it more Lee? Is it, you know, is it a combination of both you, Lee and Veronica? Or? I think it's definitely mostly me. Um, you know, I feel like if you, if, when the second book comes out, you'll be able to see them side by side where Maggie is kind of my, like this book, Just Roll With It, is kind of my baby, my like, uh-huh. a lot of my issues put down on the page. And then the second book is going to be more a lot of like Lee's issues put down on the page. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, it's like, I don't want to not, not admit it. But I'm like, it's embarrassing to admit it. But like, every time my, my grandmother sees Maggie, she's like, oh, it's you. And I'm like, no, don't say it. Don't call <laughs> yeah. me out. But I'm like, yeah. It looks like me, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, so I see a lot of myself in Maggie. I think when 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 I first read the script, I actually saw, um, you know, where Lee put aspects of me in her and where he put aspects of himself, mm-hmm. um, especially in terms of, you know, a lot of times in the book when she's feeling overwhelmed, uh, especially by schoolwork, she will take a nap. Yeah, and that was not me at all mm-hmm. um, growing up. Uh, but, but it was me. Yeah, but so that's just a very different way of handling that kind of stress. And I'm like, oh, like, why would you fall asleep? You got stuff to do. And he's like, sometimes it makes you really tired to be really stressed out. And I'm like, oh, I never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. Because that just wasn't how I handled it. So 
a lot of, so some of the way she handles the anxieties, you know, came from Lee or came from me, depending on, you know, whichever. Um, so I mean, yeah. I think there's, there's definitely a, a heavy mix of, of both of us. Um, but I, I, I do agree with Veronica that it does um, need a little more towards her. And it was, uh, you know, an illuminating experience to write Maggie, um, uh-huh. both to understand OCD better um, because we did uh, a lot of, re- a lot of research on this as well um, with our respective therapists, with stuff online, with, with, and just doing a lot of reading um, and a lot of me pestering Veronica about what, you know, what some of her anxieties feel like for her. Uh, but there, there's a fair bit of me, but um, it was just a really, like I said, illuminating experience. Sorry about that. Illuminating experience about like, just anxiety and dealing with it. And it was kind of funny because as much as this book is, is about learning to talk about anxiety and learning to be open about it. Yes. Like, I feel like I relearned that lesson writing it and, and, and was able to relearn to be like open with like Veronica, like, okay, I'm really stressed out about this book. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I need your help. And like, it was kind of funny because I'm writing this book about anxiety and, and Maggie's going through something that, that makes her anxious. And I'm like, me writing it is making me anxious. And so like, so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, I just saw myself and Maggie a lot too, while I was writing the book. Um, and it was, like I said, a really illuminating and eye-opening experience for me. Um, I've, I've read the book. Um, it's great. Um, um, I, I just want to ask, um, how did you guys decide to have, to put role-playing games and how did you guys decide that for Maggie to carry a dice, you know? Um, I think that came about really from thinking about like, you know, when, when thinking about anxiety, um, especially for me, like a lot of times I will be paralyzed between two decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it usually almost always happens with non-consequential decisions. You know, if I want to buy a video game or not. Yeah. And it's like, it's not the end of the world. You are not going to shell out your bank account. But for some reason, I'm just completely paralyzed between which is the better option. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, so, so the dice kind of enabling and giving Maggie that device where she doesn't have to have control or doesn't have to assume responsibility over the decisions uh-huh. something else is taking care of that for her um that's right and like i think it's a perfect kind of um like device that she can use because it's you know rather than a coin flip there's a little bit of gray area yeah and, and i think it really highlights how with anxiety and with ocd you know the compulsions are not really like these grand like gifts from the universe like you your compulsions are you are doing this because you are trying to like bend it in a way that like makes you feel safer Mm -hmm. so there are some points in the book where you know maggie gets a lower number Mm -hmm. but she's like oh well i should technically roll this with advantage um and in role-playing games advantages if you have a particularly high stat in one section 
um, you can add to your role because, oh, if you're an acrobat, you'll be better at, you know, an acrobatic role than someone who isn't. Um, and so like that kind of clear, you know, with a coin flip, it's either heads or it's tails. It's not, you know, unless it lands on its side. Um, but with this, you can kind of budget and say, well, it's an eight, but I could add two because today's my birthday. So yeah. I think I should add two points and make it a 10 and then, you know, do the thing that I want it to do. Um, so yeah, I feel like that's really, it, it was something that was nice where it's like, it gives you kind of leaning in two directions, but also allows you to kind of create the narrative you want, um, which I think is something that OCD does really, really well. Yeah, and it, it, it's also a good, like just metaphor for mental illness in itself, right? Because it's it's the small thing that it, it really doesn't weigh anything. It, it doesn't look like it takes up a lot of space, but it controls you. Yeah. It dictates everything that you're doing mm -hmm. because like Veronica said, you're trying to make sure that you're safe because if you don't do X, Y, or Z, bad things will happen. And like that's what your brain is just screaming at you. You know it in your bones. It's true, but it's not, it's not that, you know, it's almost feels a little callous, but it's not that big a deal. And uh, at the end of the day, like sometimes like the stuff that you're so worried about, like I get nervous making phone calls. I have to hype myself up to make a phone call. And it's just a phone call. Like I didn't need to be nervous all day for a phone call. It took me 30 seconds, mm -hmm. but I was, uh, and I, I am every time. Um, and, and so it was just, it was really perfect for us because like Veronica said, um, you know, it's, it, it's just sort of, sort of perfect encapsulation of OCD and, uh, and of dealing with your compulsions. Uh, and it's also a good, metaphor for mental illness in general because i think everybody with mental illness regardless if it's ocd or not can kind of relate to that that's this yeah. little thing taking up so much of your space oh yes i trust me i understand yeah no i i do i'm not i'm not blowing smoke or i'm not being sorry yeah. no i understand um sorry I'm, i just want to go back veronica i that was a very good point with the 20-sided rule that i said there's the gray areas. It's like, oh my God, that, that makes more sense. Because I remember, and I'm not giving away too much in the book, but I remember certain scenes where she rolls an 11 and she's kind of going, because it's close to a 10. So it's like, okay, do I, can I still do this with, you know, with, you know, mm -hmm. and then I think late in, in one part of the book, she rolls a low number, but she's kind of going, but I really want to do this. You know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, because I remember that, yeah. So, but but thank you very much for explaining that. Um, I'm just and and if I have asked this question already, please remind me. But can I ask why was the focus on a role playing game? Um, I, I think uh, it, I think there's a couple of reasons for it. Yeah. Uh, one is it. It's just something that like she just really enjoys, right? It's her hobby. Yeah. She has all the books that it's based off of, um, and she gets to do it every Sunday with her family, and it's yes. like a a safe and 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 wonderful time for her, uh, where she gets to do all the great things that role playing games allow you to do, where mm -hmm. you get to express all these different characters and ideas, yeah. and you get to take on all these different roles that you might not, you know, normally 
be able to do because you can't become an orc, you can't become a, a flying elf or whatever. But um, in role playing games, you can, or you can yeah. be braver than you are in real life. Uh huh. And you can explore gender in the game um, and sexuality in the game. Um, and I think finding that safe haven for her in role playing games, she's able to find it again in school. In, in her own way, in a different way, um, with with a different group of friends that she gets to branch out and she finds this other, um, like I said, safe haven, this, this that's just hers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with her friends, but I think having for her these two groups that are different based off of the same thing, but that she gets to explore um, in different ways, and she gets to bring Clara into the world of RPGs, and she gets to be united with all these other people that she otherwise wouldn't have ever met. Um, was was just for me. It was just perfect for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Veronica, do you want to add anything to that? I think also, like fantasy, really lets you like push push the boundaries and limits, like. You know, like Lee said, you can be stronger than you are. You can be, you know, you can be anything that you want to be. Um, and I feel like there are other conduits that you could, like other metaphors, not metaphors, but, you know, other things that you could say, like, oh, well, you could also do that in, you know, like video games or whatever else. I think it just kind of, you know, it, it was just something like we wanted to make it about. Yeah, you get to collaborate with other people and and tell the story together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she gets to, you know, really relate and, um, you know, understand her friends and her siblings better by by being able to do this with them. Um, It's just a really personal game, despite it being about literally anything. Um, I think also that it's a lot of, it was a lot of fun to show visually. Yeah. You know, that we have this twofold world of the real world and then this kind of fantastical world. And like visually that's like fun for the reader to kind of get absorbed in. Yeah. Cause if, if you, if you, if you pick up the book or Jason, is, as you've already read it, you'll see that every time that they're in the fantasy world, all the colors are different. Yes. Um, and that was like a very purposeful thing that Veronica put in there. Um, like, it's just fun to look at. It's just cool. Mm-hmm. No, it is. Um, I'm I'm not gonna spoil anything for the readers, but um, like you said, you know, the her home, you know, that they that you know Maggie plays a game at home, and then also too she you know interacts with her family. She also interacts with and build relationships with a you know new set of friends, mm-hmm. and then they kind of go on their own little real adventure. I'm not gonna spoil it for the listeners because I, you know, because towards the end, I was going, I start to see the club start to go, yeah, let's do this. Yes, let's do that. And you're like going, you know, and someone goes, wait, no, I'll lend you this, but I want to, you know, and he's in the club too, but I'll lend you this, but I want to help. I want to be a part of this, you know? Oh, that's so, that's so cool. All right. Now I'm joking on this part. Did you guys ask Random House to give you guys money to buy role-playing games um, for the book to try out? Ah, I wonder if, you know. Yeah, I'm, if- I'm sure they'd like to do that. Uh- <laughs> I will say it's very, like, you know, 
oh, it's it's common in cartoonist circles where you know we'll be buying like graphic novels, especially like you go to shows and you're like, oh, you know, I gotta pick up you know my friend's book, and then you're like, well, you know, like I'll write it off on my taxes as research, um, you know. So like the things the things that you get to write off on your taxes as a cartoonist or writer is very is very fun. Um, I'm trying to think like the like I feel like you know it's it's kind of similar to um what's it called in in our in one pitch that we were writing recently we talked about um the hook to get kids interested in something was like oh you get a scholarship grant to use anything that counts as on anything that counts as school supplies um so it's like it's kind of similar like what counts what counts as cartoonist supplies oh I, I bought you know i bought this dragon figurine at the hobby shop because i want to use it for reference yeah. and then oh i bought these dice because i need to use them for reference and i can like, <laughs> sit on the table and be like okay this angle looks like yeah, this yeah. you know um so that that kind of thing like all the things that you can you can say is i won't say no by the way if penguin wants to send me a <laughs> And, uh, you know, if anybody from Penguin or Wizards or whatever is listening, I would love to make the game that they play a real game. I think that'd be the coolest thing. Uh, so if anybody's listening, you know, hit me up. I just, I gave you my, my Twitter at the start of this, so you could find me. All right. Sorry, I'm going to start continuing. I'm going to slowly start wrapping things up. So, Veronica, may I ask, you know, you know, for our listeners, can you describe your art style? Um, yeah, so in, in the document that you sent us, you mentioned that it's kind of a mix of anime and Charles Schultz, which I thought was super touching because I, I adore anime and, and Charles Schultz's style is just absolutely darling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I draw in a lot of different styles for fun. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do more like a serious kind of realistic, not realistic anime style, but more like a less chibi anime style. Um, but then when we were putting together, especially the mini for this book, um, you know, one of the things that I particularly took into account was what am I going to be able to draw consistently uh -huh. for 300 pages? Um, you know, and, and so, so the simple, the simple style, especially in terms of like, you know, what can I keep on model? Cause there are, you know, there are obviously like parts of, of drawing that like are not my stronger suit. So like, okay, certain angles with anatomy, I'm like, I'm still, I need to still make this believable. Uh -huh. um, I definitely went with a simpler style that I could still make like very cute and fun. Um, and I use like a lot of bright colors cause it's, it's just like stuff that like makes me happy. Really, I didn't, I didn't put anything in this book that doesn't make me happy. Um, I think when you can manage that in a project, especially, you know, for creators who are working on something, you know, even with Alexis for summer vacation where that wasn't wholly my project, um, you know, I was working with a writer and I was working with a team that was publishing the book, um, you know, making sure that you put stuff into your work that you're gonna enjoy making yeah. as opposed to like, you know, when I was submitting character designs and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really like this design, but you know, maybe I should submit it anyway and like, the truth is I didn't submit it because if I was, if they did pick that, I was going to be miserable drawing it for 200 pages. Um, the, this is kind of a tangent, but a really good tip that I got when I was coming out of college was, you know, when you're going into college, you put in your portfolio applying to art school, you know, 
work that shows your versatility, your like kind of like, okay, I work with charcoal, I do still lives, I do all these different things, life drawing. But when you're coming out of college, the stuff you want to put in your portfolio is stuff that you actually want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that always really stuck with me because if you put like, oh, well, I don't love drawing still lives, but here's some ones that I did in school, I'll put those in my portfolio. Like you might get hired to draw still lives and then you're going to be like, Oh no, I didn't know uh -huh. this. Oh. Um, so I, so I, it's, I think it's, I think it's interesting, especially, you know, where there can be kind of a talk about like, oh, what's like serious. Like some people are like, oh, can I put fan art in my portfolio? That kind of thing. Um, I feel like when you're job hunting outside of school, like that kind of thing is absolutely fine because you're uh -huh. showing your, you know, stuff that you're really good at as opposed to, oh, this is my potential sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then, Veronica, before I continue on, do you want to give your colorist um, shout outs? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so my best friends, Alex and, and Ren, um, which they're both cartoonists in their own right. Let me pull up their social media so I can yes. along. I have uh, Toonie Balloonie, which is T-O-O-N-Y, B-A-L-L-O-O-N-Y. Mm -hmm. um, and... Thank you. And Renternet, which is R-E-N-T-E-R-N-E-T. -E -E um, so they're both cartoonists and they both helped me with this book, um, doing flats, which is uh, just putting in like filling in the colors on the computer in such a way where I can go back and use Photoshop to select them later easier. Okay. Um, so recently, so I, they helped me flat this whole book. Um, so I could go in and have an easier time coloring it. Then uh, Alex has a book that's coming out, I think this September, um, called Improve, which I helped her flat. So it's kind of like, um, you know, you know, we're both always helping each other out and like, I love them very much. Um, there's always this joke in, in art circles where like artists, like being an artist and being friends with all artists, it's just passing the same hundred dollars around. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, you know, cause like I would, you know, I would, she would do flatting for me. They would do flatting for me. I'd be like, okay, let me pay you. And then later on I would do some work for them and they're like, okay, let me pay you. And it's just the same hundred dollars going <laughs> around in a circle. You know, you go to them at a show and you're like, oh, your new comic, I want to buy it. And they're like, your new comic, I want to buy it. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, here's the same $20 back and forth. Um, so yeah, so it's really nice like having so many I mean that's the benefit that I went I was able to go to an art college um I feel like it's very much not a necessity but it did give it had me meet like all of my my current best friends and and you know get a really nice circle of people who I can talk to about art and ask for advice yes um, about like what I'm working on so that so it was really and it was really nice just to have like you know to have them working with it working on it with me with um you know for my our first like big release kind of thing that's pretty neat okay so i'm slowly wrapping things up so now listeners at the end of the book there's um i think is it like one or two pages to show the process mm -hmm. of how you guys made the graphic novel and that section is called um start to finish now um like um who came up with that idea to include that section in the graphic novel because it's pretty cool it is yeah, that was my idea. It's, I, I talk about it sometimes um, where, you know, if you ever read, 
you know, manga or other graphic novels, there's usually, in manga typically, if it's been serialized, they have like, oh, here's our monthly chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll have like, the authors will put notes of like, here's what I did this month while I was drawing this chapter. And like, when I was growing up, I used to love reading those mm-hmm. um, because I'm like, you really get a sense for who the artist is, what they're doing, what their lives are like. And I just thought it was so cool. Mm-hmm. And other graphic novels will have, you know, here's the inner workings of publishing mm-hmm. and like extra section in the back. Um, so when, when our editor Whitney told us, she was like, you know, you have 10 pages of back matter to play with, you know, that's 10 extra pages of blank stuff that we can put in extra stuff. I was like, can I do like a, how we made it kind of thing? Cause I was like, that's just something I love seeing in other books. So it was very self-indulgent that I got to do it myself for our book. That is so cool. Okay. And I think it's been, I, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I think oh. it's been a huge hit because I think every interview or podcast we've done, uh, people have asked about that section. Oh. Um, and so like Veronica said earlier, she's talking about what you put in your portfolio, play your strengths because do what you want. And, you know, if, if, if you, if you put it out there that you want to do it, uh, you know, you can have folks that listen to you. And, mm-hmm. and she was, and Veronica was able to put something in that she really loved and that looks beautiful and that is super interesting to people. And so, you know, th- not just the kids, but anybody reading it. Uh, so it's been really cool. No, that's pretty cool. Okay. What was or were the most fun and enjoyable parts of making this book? Oh, I think for me easily, it is um, just seeing Veronica work mm-hmm. and being able to watch that whole start to finish process, excuse me, over her shoulder. Mm-hmm. And watching her do pencils, do thumbs, do do the inks and colors and everything like that, um, and then seeing like like there's this part in the book where her friend Laurel uh, jumps down off a table and yells at Maggie. And um, when I wrote it, I thought it was funny, um, but I think it's marvelous by the time it's actually done and colored on the page, just because. I, I just I just think it's so cool seeing Veronica being able to take a silly little idea mm-hmm. and, and making it like an extravagant moment um, yeah. and giving it the hype and the goofiness that like middle school kids goofing off deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, easily my favorite part of the book is is was seeing her work and seeing it, you know, go from start to finish. Veronica, what about you? I think my favorite part about the whole process um i feel like this is a cliche answer but what we've got uh not the co- not the um arcs which is the advanced reader copy when we got the final comp copies in the mail and we got to like hold it for the first time and like when you open it i was like it smells like a book <laughs> so like i have like you know we still have our comp copies and every time you open them like smells like a book it smells like the books of the bookstore and like that's my favorite part i yeah. think just like yeah it's I, a real book I, I, since you know we had this idea in 2016 and it's now 2022 yes mm-hmm. and being able to just reach for the reach on the shelf for the, the coffee table and, and the books there and being able to hold it and flip through pages and 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 you know, wave it in front of your face to feel the wind and the smell it and stuff is, is magical really that's so cool. Um, let's see. Um, I'm going to start wrapping this up already. Um, 
do you guys have any favorite role playing games? Oh, I mean, for me, yeah, I think you did. Can't uh, for me, for me, the standard is is Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, It's, I mean, I've done Shadowrun, I did Pathfinder, um, you know, some other stuff. Uh, Gertz, I think, is out there, Um, and I know there's there's with all the problems that come with it and all and all the the crap of of all the, all the stuff that, that 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 are the pitfalls of D and D. Still my favorite. It's 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 the the for better or worse, probably worse. It's the gold standard, but um, it there's magic to it, and and uh, just being able to 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 roll those dice on the table, and uh, you know, being an orc that swings a sword and saves a villager or whatever. I'm like, that's, mm-hmm. it, that's the coolest stuff. So for me, it's definitely D and D, specifically fifth edition. Veronica, mm-hmm. do you have any? Yeah, I think. Well, for me, it's kind of hard because five E of Dungeons and Dragons is really the only one I've ever played okay. in regards to tabletop games. Um, you know, I'm not a big tabletop person outside of like the stint that I played. You know, when the Adventure Zone was popular and my friends were pe- playing it, and we were just playing that. Um, there are some interesting ones, especially like I've seen like a lot of people online who develop like their own systems. I saw a really interesting one. I probably, I feel like I shouldn't say it without having the source for it. So people could go check it out themselves. But there is one that I saw that is completely based around the U.S. postal system where Mm -hmm. you act, so you have your game master who acts as you know, the head of like a space exploration uh, mission. Mm-hmm. And then you're sending letters out to your fellow um, space explorers. And so you will take your letter intended for person A. And I think you get a random address and you send it mm-hmm. to one of your other random players and they have to figure out who the letter was meant for and like respond to it. Um, and I, I haven't gotten to play that one yet, but it, I just thought that was like such an incredible idea. Um, and that I feel like really pushes the boundaries of what like a role-playing game can be and like, like the stuff that you can do with it. Um, like I wonder, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I could find it now, but, uh, let's see, but yeah, we can ask the next question. I'm going to try and Google it. Cause like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to plug it without having a source for people to check it out. Cause. So my next question is what was your guys' favorite comic, um, convention moment? either as a fan, as a creator? Uh, so since, uh, you know, it, it was just published last month, we haven't really been able to do any of the conventions yet. Um, but we did do our first live book signing the other week at our local Barnes & Noble, um, which is down the street from us, which we are there pretty much every week. Um, and, you know, definitely like, you know, luckily, almost because with COVID, it wasn't that packed, and we were able to have like face-to-face conversations with a couple of young kids who picked up the book, mm-hmm. and just just being able to do that and being able to like sign a book, hand it off to a kid, and talk to them about like their favorite animal and about like and about reading and how cool books are. Mm-hmm. Um, has really been like like a top tier moment and uh at the end of february um i'll be back in uh 
in in Rhode Island at a, at the library that I grew up in, mm-hmm. uh, doing an event um, and a book signing there. And I'm like, ah, I'm so floored for that. I cannot wait. And hopefully, if we get into like SBX or something like that later in the year, that would be cool. But as of right now, I think easily my my favorite moment has been being able to give a book to a kid and sign it and be like, thank you so much for reading it. And that's just awesome, you know. I mean, like I said, it's it's literally the dream of I've had since a kid, and now I'm able to to do that mm-hmm. and, and give give a book to to a kid. It's just so cool. It's just so cool. It's magic, really. That I mean, I think definitely. Awesome. Um, I don't know if this counts, but like like you said, we haven't really done a lot of in person events because of the pandemic. But there was um, what's it called? There there was like the time we went to our local library. Uh, we were we wanted to set up an event there, and then we just haven't been able to to nail it down yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like having like going in maybe like a month or so after the release and seeing it on the shelf, I'm like that was my favorite thing. I think. No, but that's pretty cool. That yeah, that's... it was really it was real because because I've lived in the same place since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I that's my local library that I've always gone to. Yeah. Um, so to see it there, I was like, mm-hmm. that's incredible for me. That is so cool. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> now, I've already asked you guys this question, but for our listeners, have you and your family, have you guys been to Hawaii? Uh, no, we have not. Um, I actually personally have uh never left the country like the mainland uh i've never been to canada never been to europe never been to, to anywhere <laughs> really the first time i was on a plane was a couple of years ago with veronica mm-hmm. and we went to uh niagara falls so from long island to niagara falls was the, the longest plane trip gone. i'd ever been i've been uh down south and i think the furthest west i've ever been has been kentucky mm-hmm. um so no, not, not Hawaii <laughs> at all. I, you know, maybe love to go, but I know it's supposed to be like the best, the prettiest place on earth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've never been to Hawaii either. Um, and you know, as we all know, really the pandemic has put a nail in the coffin of a lot of travel plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like I, I, I am an anxious traveler. I'm thinking once things chill out, mm-hmm. um, yes. I would like to, throw a little bit more of my energy into traveling because it's it's something you realize like it's not necessarily always you know you're not necessarily always going to be able to just do it like so freely as we did before mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah um veronica before i ask my last question i'm just asked i'm just asking were you able to find that um that post office not, yeah i have it so it was in a while ago, there was a bundle on Itch.io of the bundle for racial equality, mm-hmm. um, where a bunch of creators put their games into one bundle and they were like, okay, pay what you want for charity. Um, so I'm going through it to try and find it. Um, if I email it to you after, would you be able to put it in like a link somewhere or you don't really have show notes? Actually, um, we do have show notes, um, but the thing is, is that it's just, it's really limited, but I can read it out. That's the other okay, I'll try. I'll keep trying to find it while we while we wrap up. No, don't. And, um, and Veronica, don't worry. Because, like I said, if you do find it, when yeah. you release the interview, mm-hmm. um, 
I, I'm going to say, yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to put in the show notes, but when yeah, I, but I can, I can also retweet it and add it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now my last question, any closing words to our listeners? Uh, really is just thank you. Um, and I know it's cliche, but you know, let's thank you for giving us the time of day. Uh, thank you, Jason, for giving us the space to talk about the book. Um, you know, I mean, if you pick it up, you know, thank you really, truly from the bottom of my heart, because as you've now, now heard, we've put um, years into the book and just so much of ourselves into it. Um, and if you, you know, pick it up and you understand anxiety a little better and feel less alone in the world, then, you know, again, thank you. I mean, it, it's really all there is to say for me without me starting to cry on the podcast. I think definitely, you know, thank you for having us. It was so nice to be able to talk your questions. Um, like were wonderful. It's really nice for both of us to be able to talk about the book. I feel like, um, you know, it's, it's always kind of when you, when you, when you read questions, like the inter the pre-interview questions, you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't necessarily know what I'm going to say, but it was, you know, guided by your questions and everything. It was a really lovely interview. I felt um and yeah if anybody out there ever you know if you want to make books and if you want to um you know if you want to be writing drawing whatever it is i feel like you know don't don't feel limited by um you know by any any of the things that might stand in your way you know a lot of people can't afford college right now um you know that was that was yeah. true for Lee. The reason he dropped out wasn't because he didn't want to go; it's because he just couldn't afford yeah. it. I, I dropped out. Um, I worked at Walmart for a year. I worked at a gas station. I you know I I I did a little bit of everything. Um, and for me, writing was just has always been my beacon. And so, uh, I mean, you know, if it, if I can do it, I mean, literally, if 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 you know some broke kid from the middle of nowhere, Rhode Island, uh, can publish a book and I mean that anybody can mm -hmm. yeah I mean what I what I'm also saying is like the internet has made it has made things so much more accessible especially you know yes. with web comics you don't like you don't need to go to school to learn all the things that you want that you're going to need to learn in order to to make to to make comics and make books um so you know never never feel bad about like what you have or don't have and don't like you know, I feel like it's really easy to be like, oh, well, you know, like people are already doing this. Mm -hmm. People who are better than me are doing this. Um, and I definitely feel that. But, you know, the truth is at the end of the day, nobody else is going to make the book that you're going to make. Mm -hmm. um, regardless of, you know, even if someone can draw way better than you, which is subjective, but, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, let's just say someone's better than drawing at you, uh, better than drawing like it doesn't mean that they're going to put the same heart into a story that you're going to put. Mm. I feel like that's really easy to forget, but very important to remember. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's something that's easy to say, but it's like hard for you to actually keep, you know? Yeah. Yes. 100%. But yeah. Lee and Veronica, I want to wish you both um, all the success, you know, for your graphic novel. Again, it's the title, it's called Just Roll With It. And I wanna, I wanna say mahalo to you guys. Mahalo, uh, that it's mahalo, it's thank you in Hawaiian. Just 
thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, thank you for being open, you know, sharing, you know, um, sharing a little bit of, of your, you know, of yourselves in this interview. Just thank you for very much for opening up. Thank you very much. You know, um, and I'm going to say, you know, thank you for your time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you guys. It's just thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for giving us the yeah, space really, to talk. Thank and, you so and, much. And having us and everything. I feel like the equal heartfelt thanks yeah. from us to you as well. How, how do you say it? Mahalo? Yeah, that's it. Mahalo. Mahalo. Yeah. Mahalo. Um, now, I also want to thank Hannah of Superfan Promotions. Um, for um, setting up this interview, you know, and Hannah, I want to say thank you very much. Thank you for asking, you know, the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast to this to do this interview. Again, Hannah, thank you very much. Now, if you are a parent or a relative or a friend who's looking for a graphic novel for, you know, someone who's in middle school, you know, to read, I I really strongly encourage you to please check out Just Roll with It. It's you know, it's out on Amazon. It's at your local bookstore. As Lee and Veronica said, it's that their, uh, was it local Barnes and Noble? Yeah, mm -hmm. Barnes and Noble is the only one around. Sorry. You know, or, um, or, you know, ask your comic shop to order a copy. I know um, it, it was on the previews website. So again, you know, so, you know, check this out and, you know, and spread the word, you know, about this book to your comic shop owner and to your comic book friends. Um, and I also, you know, I want to thank Drew, the co-host for Comics for Fun and Profit, you know, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener to the um, Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, please check out new episodes that come out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. You know, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Jason, yeah. sorry, well, before we end, I did find the yeah. table, the role-playing game that I was talking about. It's called Light Here, Lightyear by Carly Ho on Itch.io. So if anyone wants to check that out, they can find it. Um, no, but thank you. Sorry to, to jump on your very wonderful ending. No, that's perfect. <laughs> this, well, this is fun. No, because this is great because it's just, you know, it's, it's, um, it's very, you know, these interviews are supposed to be laid back and fun. <laughs> they were very fun. Thank you so much, really, truly. Oh, thank you very much. All right, so I'm going to close this off, and you guys can, and if you guys want to join me, we can say aloha. So, aloha. Aloha. aloha.